Welcome to Getting Curious. On this episode, we are going to be talking about food and eating disorders. What constitutes an eating disorder? Um, I have had issues with food my whole life. I was a binger and purger for years. And as a gay man, body image and how food is in my life and how I see food in the lives of my friends is is something that I'm really curious about. So um, this is my dear friend Alana. She's Hungarian though, so her name is spelled with an O, but really it's an A and it's fierce and we love it. Uh, so her name is Alana. So Alana, I want you to tell our listeners about what you do. Sure. So I'm a marriage and family therapist intern. I specialize with eating disorders. Um, I've been working with specifically eating disorders for about four years in treatment centers and now I'm in private practice. And it's an issue very near and dear to my heart as well runs in my family. I've had my own ups and downs with it. And um, it's a very prominent thing that people don't really talk about. And I know we've discussed how, especially in the male world, it's not really talked about. It's really kind of stigmatized. And so I just thought this is a great opportunity to bring some light on it. So, Lana, obviously, you know, eating disorders, it's a big... I almost feel like I still... I don't purge anymore, but I still feel like I have a relationship of binging sometimes. But yeah. I digress. What I What I first want to talk about was how you specifically mentioned men. Yes. Um, you know, I have a lot of girlfriends and clients who have talked to me about struggles with, with eating disorders um, in their lives and, and stuff, but I feel like it really affects so many men, and it affected me from such a young age. I remember watching this body called The Perfect or Perfect 10. It was a Lifetime movie, and the Pink Power Ranger was this gymnast. I know exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And yeah. her friend taught her how to purge bear claws, which is how I learned how to do it, because I was just, like, I felt like I was just too fat, and I was never going to, like, have the six-pack abs that I saw in the Bowflex commercials, which is what I thought I would definitely yeah. need to get a husband someday. Yeah. So it really did affect me, but I feel like all I ever heard talk about it growing up was women. And yeah. in your research and in your career, like, do other men struggle with it? Am oh I the gosh. only one? No. Like, <laughs> There's approximately 10 million men that at some point in their lifetimes struggle with some form of eating disorders. And, you know, as you were just mentioning, you started with binging and purging, but eating disorders change shapes and forms. So there's anorexia, bulimia, binge eating. There's tons that are not specified, but there's such a wide variety of what an eating disorder can look like. And I like to look at it as your relationship to food, you know? So it's, you trying to express an emotion and you go to food because from an early age, we're taught that food is comfort. You know, even as babies, you cry, you get a bottle, you get a boob, you know? Yeah. It it starts there. And so your relationship to food evolves through lifetime. And like you said, you know, looking at Bowflex commercials, looking at media, men specifically are taught to be tall, lean, and muscular. And even muscle dysmorphia is something that's developing of people, you know, bodybuilders not thinking that they're muscular enough. It's just how we perceive ourselves. So you're definitely not alone. You know, it's about one in 20 people have some form of eating disorder. And out of that, one out of 10 is a male. So so, but the but the percentage is less male. Like, yes. Like, so in a treatment center, you would, like, see make, for basically what you're saying is, like, for every 10 girls, there would be, like, one guy. Yes. And that's that's also an unfortunate thing. It's, it's not saying that there's not more men, but because of stigma, because of it being kind of generalized as this rich, white, female disease, men are reluctant to reach out. So it's very underdiagnosed in men. Totally. And, and it also goes against, like, masculinity. Like, exactly. being like, I am, like, I feel less than or I feel like I'm not good enough it's like the opposite of being like a big strong confident man exactly so that does seem like I why it would be like a little less easy for men to talk about yeah I feel like what mine is kind of developed into because like I said I don't purge anymore but I do feel like like last night um I found myself with 
my very dear friend, and a large, extra large Brooklyn style pizza, and a gorgeous, you know, set of like mozzarella filled breadsticks, <laughs> and the cookie brownie pizza thing from mm-hmm. Domino's because I loathe them. It was like fifty percent off online ordering, so why not get all three things? <laughs> but this morning, you know, before I came to record this, like I was for sure at my Equinox at six o'clock. Yeah. I for sure did like twenty extra minutes of cardio that I mm-hmm. would not normally do. Mm-hmm. I was like pushing myself really hard because I had like that. So I feel like even though I don't get rid of it anymore in the same way that I used to, it's definitely still like I was up at like 530 to make sure that I was had enough time yeah. at the gym, you know, so I feel like I almost turned into like a workout. Yeah, there's, there's tons of different compensatory things. You know, if it's not laxatives, diet pills, purging, exercise is also a compensatory behavior that people can turn to and that can become obsessive and unhealthy. So, so how do you know if you like, what do you say to someone if they are new to you and they're like, I do this, this and this? Like, what constitutes having an eating disorder? Right. Well, I think I try not to generalize for sure. You know, it looks different for different people. And I definitely don't want to pathologize someone and put them in a category of, oh, this fits a typical medical diagnosis, you know? So getting curious. I I love the name of your podcast. That's exactly what we do. We get curious. How does it affect your life? How did you learn these? What sorts of emotions does it carry? Are you filled with guilt? Are you filled with shame? Do you feel okay about it and, and just want to do an extra 20 minutes of cardio Um, for peace of mind? Or do you feel like it's a necessity and you can't go on with your day unless you do it? You know, it was more like it was more like if I I knew because I was recording and then going to do more hair stuff after this, I wouldn't have a chance to work out. And that would have been like that would have been like a major wrench in my like, not because I necessarily felt bad from eating the pizza, but like knowing that I didn't get to work out Mm -hmm. and had that like that would have been like a mind F. Yeah. Like, that would have been, like, that would have been something I would have, like, obsessed over a little bit, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So the word obsession would make me definitely think, like, okay, well, you know, what sort of ties are we tying? What's the value? What's the meaning that we're making of of having eaten whatever you ate last night? You know, are you going to berate yourself and think you're a bad person or whatever like, names you want to use for yourself? It would more be, like, if you keep doing that, you're, like, going to develop a massive love handle and then you're not going to get a husband and then you're going to, like... <laughs> Be a old spinster with seventy five <laughs> cats and no one that loves you. So that just went spiraled. Real yeah, that, it did, didn't it? Is that, is that what that was? A little bit. A I little will bit. have an eye because, like, it turns out like your cats don't love you that much, and they totally will eat your eyes if no one finds you. And it's just like it just gets worse and worse. How does one improve their relationship with food or get curious about their relationship with food? There's so many resources. You know, there's so many. There's nutrition. There's the medical piece. There's the therapy piece. There's the mental health. Um, there's the community. You know, if, if you feel really alone, there's, you know, Instagram. There's Facebook posts. There's so many things that you can follow as a resource or just a community. I think the worst thing for an eating disorder is to let it go on in secrecy because that builds shame. Yeah. Um, and so just getting open about it, talking about it, there's endless resources and just kind of being open about it and discussing it and knowing that one out of 20 people feel the same way. And that's probably even low. I think there's much more because even if you don't have a diagnosable eating disorder, the relationship you have with food might not be ideal. And it might be something that you just want to work on and improve and feel better about. And so talking about it with friends, I think it's something that's so relatable. Everyone has a relationship to food, whether it was how they were raised in their family. You know, culturally, there's so many cultures, Italians, Europeans, it's food is love. If you don't finish your plate, 
That means you're being disrespectful. So we learn all these like mixed messages and we really stop listening to our bodies and stop listening to. And now, you know, and especially in this city, there's so many different diets and like lifestyles and and people really pride themselves on that and think that, you know, I'm better because I don't eat any carbs or there's just it's such a loaded topic. So, yeah, because it's like for me, like I don't. I was just talking to my mom about this this morning. It's like, what happens when we stop listening to, you know, I was talking to my mom about like her marriage to my dad, which was be kind of, was, you know, a cultural thing of like, they got Pragers when they weren't marrieders. Let's get a white <laughs> dress on that thing before it's four months. And you can tell immediately, you know, so it's like a decision was made for them because of what other people thought they should do as opposed to like what they thought what was best for themselves. Yeah. And food is a lot like that. And I feel like, you know, I I lost my stepdad like three years ago, and when he he'd had a long struggle with cancer, and when that happened, I gained seventy pounds in three months. Wow! Like I I was a bigger kid, and then I kind of got it together uh, through an eating disorder, and mm-hmm. then kind of once I got the weight off of the eating disorder and saw some of like the physical effects and not feeling good from the purging, I was like, maybe I can just stop. Yeah. And so I was able to just kind of stop the purging part. Um, but never really got like a super healthy relationship with food. I just kind of like balanced out, but then it kind of reared its head again with the stress of the loss of my stepdad. And so I gained this, you know, this 70 pounds in this very short amount of time. And then I really, when I moved, I left California when that happened. And then when I came back all of a sudden being 70 pounds heavier in LA, I was like, that did not feel the same. Right. Like I did not, you know. Men didn't, like, were not the same niceness. And this was, like, before I did Gay of Thrones, it was, like, when I very first came back. And it was really a different life being here. Like, because, you know, the first time I was, like, the six-foot-tall, string-being vegan yoga teacher. Yeah. And so that was kind of my identity. Yeah. And then I come back, and I'm, like, depressed, and I'm, you know, bigger. And I, I, while I didn't, I wasn't binging and purging at that time, I was really, like, actually, I feel like in in this time of losing this weight, I feel like I was um, really very healthy and, like, self-led. Like, I really just got back into my yoga. I really tried to just be more balanced and talk to the part of myself that wanted to like eat 17 pop tarts yeah, every night absolutely which did which really helped until and and I felt like I lost the weight pretty balanced until all of a sudden I got I had this thing in my mind that before I lost before I gained the weight I wanted to get back to what I was okay. which was like 165 pounds and so I did that and then everyone was like girl you're too thin and so I started you know and 165 pounds on you know like 28 versus 24 maybe doesn't it just, it like I and I think I actually did like have this like little moment where like my arms. One of my very good friends was like, "Girl, Jennifer Aniston would be jealous of your arms," and I was like, "Oh, maybe I took it too far," even though I didn't mean yeah, to. Yeah. But then this time, I, it's been this obsession of like gaining weight, but in like a muscular way, right? Because right. I want to be shaped like a Dorito, because right. I, you know, like so. But yeah, I mean, that has like totally dictated my life for the last year. It's like I eat every three hours. I go to the gym every single day. I got to eat like my protein, my green, my yeah. And now I'm to the point where like, if I eat one more of those meal prep foods, I feel like I could just like. I just don't want it anymore. Yeah. It doesn't even feel cute. Do you feel like you lost a sense of yourself and yourself became that identity of this perfect ideal? I feel like my body, it doesn't really have to, like, I enjoy that I feel good in my body and that, and I'm trying for like the workouts to be more of just like, how does this feel? Like, it feels good to be able to do this. So be in that. Right. But the derivative underneath that is that like, I want to be loved and I want Mm. people to like, I want like it's hard to feel like not attractive in the city. Yeah. And and not and forget LA anywhere. It doesn't right. matter where you are. Right. And so it it doesn't like do I really care about 
being Dorito shaped or do I just want all the gays to want me? It's more the latter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't really care if I'm Dorito shaped. Like, you know, if having like love handles and like a bigger stomach was like hot. I think I would rather do that. Right, right, You know, right. that sounds more fun. Yeah. No, I love that you're able to distinguish that, you know, it's more like the underlying, what does it mean to me? It means that I'm loved and I'm wanted and I'm desired. And that is like the the real deal underneath it. It's not like, oh, I want to be thin. You know, that's where eating disorders really start to spiral downwards. It's like you're never thin enough. The number is never, it's always like, okay, well, five more. Well, five more. You lose the sense of, like, who are you? You're not this weight. It's it's people want you because of you, you know? I'm sure you have friends that loved you 70 pounds heavier that still love you today. And that is, like, the perspective that you want to gain is, like, who am I regardless of this weight and being okay with yourself at every weight? Because weight fluctuates. Day to day, you could fluctuate five pounds, you know? So really just being like, okay, I this number doesn't define me. Who defines me as a person? What I offer to this world? What is my passion? And filling that up. As opposed to like how you look in your Dorito. And your Dorito, yeah. Because it's like, that's not who I... And really like what I am is like... Even if you are a Dorito, is that really like, realistically, is that going to fulfill you? Are you going to be happy? And no, what if you're I a Dorito of... and, and not every gay man loves you? Like... What then? I don't know. We're going to find out when we come back from this break. So, guys, <laughs> more getting curious in five in just five seconds. We'll be right back. So you've been listening to our extra special Pledge Drive episode. It's Max Fun Drive. It's the most fun two weeks in podcasting ever. And we have Colin here to talk to us about it. A little hello, more. hello. He's yes. here and we love him. So, right. So what we're looking for is people to especially donate for Getting Curious. We love all of our Max Fun shows, but we do want some Getting Curious love. Yeah. We're a new show, so we need uh, we don't have any donors to start with, or we've got maybe five or something. So I think we, that's we like, like my mom, my dad, my grandpa, and then yeah. like two other fans. So thanks, yeah. guys. Super fans. Super fans. So, so this is the pledge drive. This is our first pledge drive. We really need your support this pledge drive. Uh, and uh, the way Max Fun is supported is uh, listener donations. If you enjoy the shows, you can download them all for free. But uh, if you're enjoying them, consider paying a few dollars a month to, to support them. And what that helps us with is that covers the recording studio, that covers me booking our gorgeous guests, it, it covers the research, which I actually do do a lot of, you wouldn't believe. And it helps Colin and Christian and all of the people that help us at MaxFun put this together and keep it going. So we love helping you guys expand your baby brains and we would love it if you would help us expand our baby wallets so we can keep expanding all the brains. And you just have to go to MaximumFun.org forward slash donate and there you'll find the details of each of the levels that we can have you donate at. For each of the levels you get you get a different gift. So at $5 a month you get access to all these bonus episodes that uh, every show, we, we recorded one the other week, that's that's up now for listeners, and you can only access those if you're a donor, uh, and also you, you get access to every other donor episode for like the history of donor episodes, so there's there's like hundreds of hours of, of wonderful Max Fun content, Throwing Shade have got some videos up, they do their live Which shows. Which are major, those are so funny, but this is going to be like the real kicker for this pledge drive from my end. If you donate $35 or more, $35 or more, <laughs> By this Friday, I'm going to give you your very own fierce Gay of Thrones inspired little baby nickname. 
and it's going to be on Twitter. But you have to do it by this Friday. And I'm going to do it by, I don't know how I'm going to do it yet, but it's going to be really cute. And it's going to be like your media, your posts. And I'm going to like use my little baby brain to give you a really fierce Gay of Thrones inspired nickname. But it has to be by this Friday. Everyone in the office wants one. Well, that's already done. We're going to do that. It's, it's, <laughs> it, that we'll do that. Um, What's white, give, give Lindsay's white steel. She's white steel. Oh, there she's we go. White steel. She's fierce. Or maybe it needs to be like white strength. No, that's too white, white supremacist. I don't like that. <laughs> She's platinum, platinum, platinum ambition. This is her. Wow. Yeah, platinum ambition. Yeah, but you're gonna get your own really fierce Game of Thrones inspired nickname if you get if you get your donation on by this Friday. Okay, so that's that's at thirty five dollars a month, and uh, then I guess tweet at Jonathan and say hello. I've just donated. At tweet at Game of Thrones, and yeah, tweet at Game of Thrones, and I'm gonna give you a really fierce nickname. Hashtag Max Fun Drive. Hashtag Max Fun Drive, and you have to like at me at at the Game of Thrones, honey. Um, welcome back to Getting Curious. We have Alana in the studio. Hello. Marriage and family therapist, eating disorder specialist. Yes, marriage and family therapist, intern. Intern. Yes, and sorry. eating, but in, well, <laughs> intern, schmintern, she's, it's true. she's, she's it's 18, true. she's, she's 18,000, like, percent million, <laughs> like, expert in my brain and in the world. So I just, that's what it is. Um, so yeah, so I do feel like I, maybe I have lost, like, the sense of who I am in my, in and uh, I really don't care. Like, now I feel like my shape has gotten, like, in my mind's eye kind of where I wanted it. Yeah. And do I feel like, I guess there's, like, a little bit of, like, an accomplishment piece that I feel, like, good about that. But I still feel, like, the same struggles that I had, like, with 70 more pounds. Mm-hmm. And and also, though, and I always, when I talk about this, like, when I post on on my Instagram and stuff, like, I really consciously try to go back to that place and to that Jonathan and make sure that he knows that he was loved. Yeah. And actually did look fierce. Yeah. And voluptuous curves and all. Yeah. Like, I was... Actually, too, I have this really good friend, Eric. Shout out to you. Who totally loved me when I had, like, more curves on me. And then when I got fit, like... And I always, like, like break his balls. Because I'm like, you're the only man who I have, like, lost interest for getting fit. And he's like, <laughs> I know. He's like, I'm sorry. Just, like, I like a little more. And I'm like, I can't. It's, like, yeah. crazy. Um, but that's fine. I love you, Eric. Dut, dut, and dut, and it's fine. That's dut, dut, and dut, is his Instagram name. Um, so it's, he's, he is fantastic. <laughs> but so what does what does healing your relationship with food start to look like once you realize that maybe it does need a little bit of work? What do, like what do you say to someone as a as a as a healer of food relationships? What do you how does someone get that ball rolling? Um. First of all, what you think about yourself with your relationship to food, you know, are you are you constantly afraid? Are you constantly feeling guilty? What does food represent to you? What does it represent to your community and your family? What was the meaning of food? You know, was food a source of nourishment or was food um, instantly going to make you fat? Are there good foods? Are there bad foods? How do you view food? Are you afraid when you sit down to a meal? Are you watching what everyone around you is eating? Are you having food rituals? Um, Do you take teeny, teeny bites? Do you take a sip of water in between everything? Like, how involved are you with the eating process, you know? So what if I do, I don't, but what? let's say I just do all that stuff. Let's Uh say I sit down at the table and I'm like, that girl got like six servings of yeah. sweet potato. She's fat AF. Yeah. Or like that girl, like she isn't, she really needs to eat a sandwich. Like yeah. I can see. <laughs> so if I am obsessing, like, do you suggest, like, talk about it exactly like just like that? So I do meal support with clients and I go and have a meal with them in a therapeutic setting. And so 
every thought that you're having in your head, put words to it. Verbalize it. Let's talk about it. Because in your head, it's just going to go rampant and it's going to create this like giant, elusive, like just image that you want to really break down and make a reality. Like, okay, so you're, you know, judging the person next to you that's having five servings of sweet potatoes. Okay. Well, maybe that's what their body needs. You know, how are they relating to it? Are they eating it? And then when they're full, they know to stop? Or is it a compulsive, just stuffing something, avoiding something? So really just bringing conversation to it. And with someone that has a healthy sense of of food and relationship to food and just being open, not being afraid or ashamed of anything that you're thinking or feeling. And also, you know, checking in with how you're feeling when you sit down to a meal. I think one of the worst things we can do is sit down in front of the TV or with our phones in our hands and just be completely disconnected from our food process. You know, sit down, check in. How hungry am I? This looks really good. I feel like I want to eat it all. Stop halfway and see how you're feeling. Just constantly like this conversation, this relationship with yourself. It's And for someone that's like got ADD like me or like is just like in this like because I do hair, so like I'm just like running really fast. It's yeah. like, how does someone who's like really out of practice with being in touch with their food drop into that more like self-led calm state when they get to the table? Like you just sit down and do take a couple deep breaths, yeah. like take like and maybe turn your phone upside down so you don't see the screen. Absolutely, absolutely. Preparing is always good. You know, I know that that's something that you do. You know, you prepare ahead of time. You know, you're gonna have a crazy day of clients. Then you you make it work. You have smoothies. You have snacks. You have things available. The worst thing to do is to be unprepared and then just run to the vending machine and, and scarf something down because that's the only thing that you have and then feel really bad about it. You already know you're gonna feel bad about yeah. it beforehand, but. That's your seeming only option. So being prepared, like you said, being really grounded, taking deep breaths, just like talking to yourself. That sounds crazy to people, but like we are in relationship with ourselves. You want to know thyself. You want to know what's going on in your body, in your mind. How are you feeling? Am I super anxious? Am I nervous right now? That's going to affect how I eat. Am I scared of something coming up later in the day? That can either increase my appetite or decrease my appetite. So really, so it's like if you, so if listening to this, you're like, like me and you're like, oh, I do that. I do that. I do that. Maybe like one step you could take is like looking up, like what, cause like what's the title of someone who works with food relationship? Um, well, like a nutritionist? Well, there's many components. So there's the medical component. If you have a full blown eating disorder and it's affecting your physical health, there's also the mental health component. So you'd want to go see a therapist. There's many, especially in the city, such great resources, like myself, that we specialize with eating disorders. The National Eating Disorder Association, NEDA, NEDA.org, that's a great resource. I of, bet you could like go in there and like put in your area code exactly, or something. Exactly, exactly. And definitely in LA, don't commute to your therapist because you'll have a nervous breakdown. Find <laughs> someone close to you. And there's always someone close to you. You know, this is such a really like thriving community of, you know, people fly in from all over the world to be treated here. And it's like we develop our relationship with food over our whole life. So it's like if you've had kind of an absent relationship with light or with food, like absent being like a lack of self-awareness, like yes. you're just don't really know what your relationship and you've developed that over 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 oh, years. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's going to take a little bit of Absolutely. healing. And yeah. so maybe approach that with a little bit of like Absolutely. compassion and calmness. And, and also too, I feel like when I've like found, um, it, like interview your therapist, like kind of like, like yes. try a couple. It's a relationship. It's it's like a friendship, you know. And so you want someone that you can trust 
that you feel like they have a good vibe, good energy. They understand you. There's so many different theoretical orientations that people can do therapy. You know, it could be the really psychodynamic looking at your childhood and, and, you know, how you were raised. Or there's more, you know, like meaning making. There's philosophical. There's so many different approaches. So really finding someone, interviewing your therapist. I love that. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, and then one thing that I want to talk about, it's like I – one thing that really – grinds my gears and I, I don't <laughs> like it is when um they promote body positivity yes. and you know one that I think about is my friend Tess mm-hmm. and she is fierce AF mm-hmm. she's insanely beautiful mm-hmm. and you know what she's saying is like eating disorder never comes out of her mouth mm-hmm. it's not about that it's about loving yourself wherever you are mm-hmm. and when I was 70 pounds heavier in the middle of Missouri Losing my dad, I really wish I would have known about her mm-hmm. because I was feeling so not fierce. Yeah. And I hate when people have the need to tear her down or leave horrific comments on yeah. her Instagram. Yeah. Um, and, and it's not just Tess. It's it's other people that are just about body positivity that aren't your classic idea of like what – and I'm air quoting here, you guys, like healthy, like yeah. what healthy is because – at no weight can you externally look at someone and say, like, they're healthy. You can say that they might have, you know, more risk for this or more risk for that. But it's like, my question here is, what do you say to someone who feels the need to comment on someone else's weight or someone else's, like, if it's, a, like, and not even just on the internet, but, like, if you have a friend yeah. who is, like, it, do you, is it not your business? Is it your business? Like, how do you, like, navigate that? Like, because it is, it's a touchy subject to, like, yeah. bring up. And, like, if someone isn't asking for help, you know, and, like, and they are help Because like, I actually know, like, for me, like, Tessa's health is fierce AF. Like, mm-hmm. she's, she's, I mean, she's got more energy than I do. Like, yeah. she is, she's on with her bad self. Yeah, absolutely. So it's like, you know. But, like, my mom, for instance, like, my mom, I do wish that she had, like, a better relationship with food. But, like, it leads us to fights because I feel, like, the need to be, like, mom, you know, I really – and I will – and, like, I also have another close friend who I see that is affecting their situation. And, like, and I find myself being, like, I really want to, like, can we do this or do that? And, like, but meanwhile, I have my own relationship with food that, like, I need to work on. So what do you say to to those people? I mean, everyone has an individual relationship to food. And I love that you point out, you know, you can't tell if someone has an eating disorder just by looking at them. You know, especially bulimia. You could look, you know, so many athletes have bulimia. And they're the epitome of fitness and health. And so anorexia is a little bit more obvious. But but even then, someone could just be naturally thin and look underweight and because yeah, people give Juliana healthy. Rancic for that. They, right. they give her crap for that. And right. that makes me really mad because I have seen her in person. Yeah. She looks amazing. Yeah. She like is very energetic. And I feel like that's just so the point of what like my friend Tess is saying is like no matter what your size, like love yourself. Absolutely. And if we were all able to love ourselves at our size, the eating disorder thing would have so much less power. Exactly. Because that's where so much of the eating disorder comes from is like feeling not good enough. Exactly. It's all emotionally related. You know, instead of eating disorder, you know, it's referred to as ed a lot. And I think of like emotional disorder. It's it's purely an emotional thing that manifests through our control or relationship to food. And unfortunately, I don't think there is anything that you can really do or say to get someone to realize what an impact it's having on their lives. You know, being loving, being supportive. Um, 
coming from a loving place of, of worry, I think is helpful, but saying you have a problem, you this, you that, that just creates more distance and makes them feel more ashamed and more shut down. So kind of just getting curious with them too, you know, like, are you happy? Are you feeling isolated? Do you feel engaged in your life? Do you feel like you're missing out on life? Do you want to just isolate and shut yourself in your room? Or are you looking to enjoy life? Um, if so, how can we together go about making some changes? And maybe know like when you've expressed your opinion in moderation enough. Yeah. Like know when to yes. like, you've like said your piece because that's yeah. where I don't yeah. know. And like, it's hard I don't when know you know love someone and yeah. you just, you see that there's, there's potential for growth and for change and for increased happiness and, and they just don't see that. But you really, we're limited. All we can control is ourselves and our own experience. And it's wonderful to want to help and support others. If they're not wanting it, though, it's 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 never – they have a wall, and it's not going to get through. So offering support, giving them resources, but it's ultimately up to the person to, to seek help. And as far as shaming goes, if you are one of those, like, horrific shamers who shames well, people online – there's something online, wrong with you if you're, you know, if you're feeling the need – You got three fingers need, pointing back absolutely, at you. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's classic, you know, I'm uncomfortable with myself, so I'm going to want to make someone feel worse so that I feel a little bit better. It's just... And those people need compassion, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's coming from a place of hurt also, you know? It's really hard for me to believe that somebody who really loves themselves and feels good about themselves is going to want to hurt someone else. Oh, and then what about, like, you know, for resources for people that maybe, like, maybe they, like, are Madonna status and they just moved to L.A. on, like, $16 and, like, they don't, like, they have $16 until they book their first couple jobs. Yeah. Um... There's like Overeaters Anonymous. Yeah. That, that's fierce, right? Yeah, that's absolutely as a, a therapist. We like we we like that, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And there's tons of you know like EDA, Eating Disorder Anonymous. You know, there's lots of free groups. Just go online. You can find everything online. Google free eating disorder resources. There's tons of treatment centers in the area that offer free groups, free support groups, um, educational, informational kind of seminars. There's there's tons of resources. So never feel like you're alone. Never feel like my only option is to go inpatient or pay a million dollars to like have a therapist by my side. There's tons of options. It's it's a spectrum. And then and do you what about like do you like a like a like a little team approach like a little like I have a nutritionist I have a therapist like like if you really feel like you have like a dysregulated relationship with it like bring in yes the truth yes because a therapist is not a nutritionist and a nutritionist is not a therapist and usually working together getting a team is absolutely the way to go I love that yeah and I feel like taking away from this like my biggest takeaway from this is. In order to destigmatize something, you have to talk about it. Absolutely. And it has to just be okay to talk about. Yeah. And so I feel like that's what I like the most of what you say is like, we just have to talk. Oh, and if you are going to do the the meal thing, do that with your therapist. Like, don't go just like with like your friend who you're concerned about and like yes. say, tell them everything yes. you thought that you're having yes, about. Yes, 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 <laughs> yes. Make sure you're doing that with a therapist. Get, get professional support yeah. for sure. And then, but and then, so Alana, like what, like, is there anything, like, that you want to say to, like, anyone that could be struggling with this or, like, anything that I haven't covered or any, like, organization that's doing good work? Like, is it's, like, like this is, like, in the yoga class when you get to that moment where they're, like, any poses that you haven't done that you'd really <laughs> like to do? Yeah. Is there anything that, like, you want to say or, like, is there any yoga pose and podcast style that you need to tell the, <laughs> tell the children about? Um, You know what? Honestly, I just love that there's so much awareness being brought to this topic. I love the work that Tess is doing and um, Ashley Graham and, and just – 
a Denise Badeau. Yeah, there's just there's um, an Instagram I really love. Healthy is the new skinny, and that's really just kind of like a body positive atmosphere. Um, Facebook, Instagram. There's just so much that people are doing right now, and I I really I just love that we're talking about it. And then there's like support out there if you need there's it. There's so much support, and I love what you do on your Instagram too. You know, you're constantly doing throwbacks and flashbacks, and like you said, loving yourself at all stages. And there's there's always haters, and and you are so strong throughout it, and you still put yourself out there. And I think. We need more people like that that are just like, I'm putting myself out there for the greater cause. This is not about me. This is helping me as well. But it's also really just kind of like take away the shame and the stigma of like, yeah, we like so many of us go through this and it's okay. And it's the way we cope and it works until it doesn't work. You know, it's like it's our natural way of coming up with something that helps us cope through difficult times. And it's quite brilliant until it stops working and it becomes a problem. So kind of giving yourself a break of like, okay, this is this is where I was drawn to. This helped me for a period of time. And now it's gotten to this excessive point where now it's harming me. So and she needs me... a makeover. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's all. We're constantly transforming, evolving in this like life. Like chunky blonde highlights with red stripes were they really were fierce for a while. Exactly. They work until they don't work exactly. anymore. Exactly. Totally. Exactly. I love that. Yeah, that's all. <laughs> I love that. I mean, I want to thank you so much for coming you and so talking much. to me about this. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And your thank light you. is so bright. And where can people find you? If, they, if I mean, because this is what you do. This so is what I do. Where this can people find you? Yes, ilanavaro.com, I-L-O-N-A-V-A-R-O.com, um, Ilana Therapy on Facebook and Instagram. Oh, so good. Yes. Please, like, if I didn't precipitate doing your hair, I would be your patient. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. But, I mean, I kind of get the best of both worlds. I do. I do, too. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much for listening to Getting Curious. Again, it's Max Fun Drive Week. We would so love it if you would just take a page out of Bernie Sanders' book and do 5 bucks a month, 10 bucks a month, 20 bucks a month. Get your donation on. We love it. We really appreciate your support. And thank you so much for listening to Getting Curious. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.